0: In a world that is constantly at war between the forces of good and the forces of evil, can a super-powerful creature remain neutral? And then we travel to South Dakota, where a mysterious spirit currently resides. Is there any truth to the story of a creature so malevolent it encourages young men and women to hang themselves. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys have some awesome plans for the weekend. We are headed towards the end of season 13. We're going to have two weeks left of episodes and then... Here's some news for you guys. Normally, I take a week off every 50 episodes. Going forward, I'm going to take two weeks off every 50 episodes. It's just a week off is not enough to recover from doing this show. I love doing this show, but it is a lot of work. That means we are going to have two weeks of classic episodes. So Patreon supporters, make sure to post or email me however you want to do it. Let me know what your favorite episodes are so I will cover those. And all of the classic episodes have like another 20, 30 minutes of bonus content at the ending. It's behind the scenes stuff or story updates, all sorts of really cool information. So I hope you guys stick around for the classics episodes. So we're going to do two more weeks. Then I'm going to take two weeks off. And we are then headed into season 14 of Dead Rabbit Radio. Can you guys believe that? Can you? I can't. I can't believe it. Another thing I can't believe. Coming in right now, riding in a... I don't know. I'm running out of stuff for you guys to come in. Riding in a cloud car with a bunch of Care Bears. It's one of our legacy Patreon supporters, Hoots Cheech. Everyone give a round of applause to Hoots Cheech. She has a little... Uh, care bear symbol on his stomach he's basically i turned him into a care bear for this he's like oh great i love care bears come on in hoots cheech you're gonna be our captain our pilot this episode if you guys can't support the patreon or if you're not a race of animated bears that's fine too just helps spread the word about the show really really helps out a lot everyone give hoots cheech tummy a little rub And as he shoots out a Care Bear stare, his little symbol is actually the hair hang glider. He made the hair hang glider appear. Everyone grab onto his furry little feet. Hoots, Cheech, take us out of Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed to Northern Africa. It's probably not great great to hold onto a three-foot-tall bear's feet for a transatlantic journey, but hold on, guys. Hair hang glider is flying out. To Northern Africa. Specifically, we're headed out to Eastern Algeria. All the information we're about to cover actually got from the website cabos.com. They specialize in Islamic cryptids, Islamic paranormal activity. It's a really cool website. And this article is written by Abdel Razak Torah. So thank you so much for putting this out. And while we're in Eastern Algeria, we have to take a bus, right? <laughs> the hang glider crashed. It's not great to have a bear fly at one of those things. We end up having to catch a bus into town. We're sitting in a bus stop. We look over and a man walks up and sits down next to us. He just kind of nods and then is trying to mind his own business. But we start to notice some interesting things about this man. He's white, not Caucasian. He actually is like his skin is very, very white, almost like chalk white. He has blue eyes and yellow eyelashes, We're just kind of staring at him. We're very, very rude people. We're staring at this man, and he's just kind of sitting there. We also noticed that the entire time, even walking up to the bus stop, his hands have been in his pockets. We're just sitting there. We're looking at him, and we go, that's kind of weird. He's kind of chalky, hands in the pockets. We're thinking, that's kind of weird, right? I mean, it's not really. It's not really, but for the point of the story, he's a chalky white man with his hands in his pockets, and we're thinking, hmm, immediately... The man stands up and disappears. But not so much disappears. We actually start to see him run, and then he's gone in a flash. You know who else is gone? (laughs) The flash from Zack Snyder's Justice League. No, he runs away. What we've just met is an all-Ruban. He's a half man, half djinn. Now, what's interesting about this guy, we actually covered a parallel to this dude in Morocco. I'll put the episode in the show notes. These were people known as the Zahori. They were half human, half djinn. They had all sorts of indicators that they were not all human. And one of them was markings on their hands, the way that they would have certain lines on their hands. And the Zahori were children who were half human, half jinn, who were raised on Earth. So they are raised with all the human customs, but they actually had djinn blood in them. And you could actually force these children, or use magical spells on these children, or really, what's it's a real crime wave they're having in that country. They would torture and murder children, hoping that their blood would lead people to buried treasure. What's interesting is we have a parallel to that in eastern Algeria, but this time... It's the Al-Ruban. And in this one, it is a half-human, half-djinn. It is a djinn who mated with a living person. But the child was taken to the djinn dimension and raised there. Instead of being raised by loving human parents and getting to play Nintendo and watch Punky Brewster and eventually have to outrun people trying to kidnap you and use you to help find treasure these kids were actually raised in a dimension of smokeless fire they're like great (laughs) they're watching through the void everyone else playing nintendo they're like mom dad can i have a nintendo they're like you have a nintendo it's just a pit of despair they're like oh man when they grow up though they are allowed to leave and go to our world and they show up and they're like, the first thing i want to do is play every video game ever. If you ever see someone who's an avid collector of anything child-related, toys, games, comic books, most likely they lived in a djinn dimension most of their life. They're experiencing it all for the first time. The reason why the djinn kick them out of the dimension when they become adults, they, because they're not true djinn. They're not real djinn. So after they've been raised in the djinn world, they're kicked out, they're sent back here. And they said one of the reasons why is because they're not full gin. There's actually some conflicts with them. One of the things, gin love to eat like bones and stuff like that, which can't be very nutritious, right? Are you really getting all your vitamins from those human bones? They eat waste. I don't know if that's actually like human waste or just garbage. It doesn't matter if i saw someone eating a diaper and then i see someone else eating rotten food i'm like oh that guy with the rotten food now that is a guy i'll hang out with they're both disgusting also apparently Jin love to eat leftovers and normal humans don't according to this article i read and i was like what leftovers are the best (laughs) as long as they're not dirty diapers or rotting food day old spaghetti i'm down with so when they come to our planet They love to eat. They love to eat like real human food because all they've been raised on for the past 18 years is bodily fluid food and garbage. But the reason why they hide their hands is that's one of the ways to identify them. Obviously, like the chalky white skin, they see in the yellow eyelashes. You got to be real close to someone to see the color of their eyelashes. And if you saw someone with chalky white skin, you just think it was that dude powder or Michael Jackson hanging out in your neighborhood which would raise a whole bunch of questions because Powder is a fictional character and Michael Jackson is dead, but you wouldn't immediately think it was a half-human, half-djinn, but their hands also have markings on them, which apparently are easily identifiable. The article didn't say what the markings were, but they're so identifiable that the Al Ruban walks around with their hands in their pockets. And... The reason why he got up and ran away just when we were thinking, well, that's weird. He can read minds. One of the self-defense mechanisms that these guys have is they can tell when they've raised suspicion. The second somebody starts to question their existence, they run away. The Zohori were human children who had gin blood in them, who were raised in our world, and they were just used as... Basically, dowsing rods to find treasure. They had none of these supernatural defenses. The Al-Ruban, because they've been raised in the djinn dimension, at least have telepathy. At least they could know when someone's sneaking up behind them. Why would someone sneak up behind an Al-Ruban? Unfortunately, the same reason why they kidnapped the Zahori in Morocco. If you take one of these Al-Ruban in eastern Algeria, you take a prisoner, they will have to show you where underground treasure is. So even though we're in different parts of Africa and there's different origin stories for these beans, the end result is the same. If you catch, it's basically a leprechaun now that I think about it with more torture and blood. If you capture one of these guys, they will lead you to treasure. But the Zahori are just children who get kidnapped into cars and that is a real crime that is happening. These guys at least have the ability to run away at super fast speeds and the ability to read minds they are much, much harder to catch. I also find the idea of a neutral, supernatural character uh, very interesting. I, and I I thought about doing this story for a while. I was supposed to do it a week or two ago. I was supposed to do it when I did this Ahori story. I was supposed to do it the next day, and then it got pushed back. Then I was going to do it the next week or two. I mentioned it on an episode. It got pushed back, and I've been wanting to cover it. Because we do have stuff. I guess Bigfoot is a neutral spirit. Bigfoot sometimes attacks people, but a lot of times just kind of walks through the woods. But Bigfoot doesn't really have. He can't do anything. Sure, he's like super strong and he can teleport. I mean, that's more than I can do, right? I'm waiting for Bigfoot to show behind me and start beating me up. How's this, podcast man? I'm like, ah. But he just kind of hangs out in the woods. You never run into Bigfoot in any other sector. This. God. And people want to catch him, but they kind of just want to throw a net over him or take pictures or maybe shoot his children. I don't know. They do want proof of him. But the Alru Bond, there's an actual like reason behind hunting this guy. He has superpowers, he has telepathy, he has super speed, and he wants nothing. These Alru Bond, they just want to be left alone. They don't want to be known, they don't want to be identified, they don't want to be studied. They just want to exist and be left alone. A lot of times cryptids are out hunting humans. Yesterday we covered Satan's head rolling around. Things like that. Ghosts, spooky ghosts. And I, I guess there are neutral ghosts as well. I, I don't know why the idea on this one. Of I think because he has the ability. An al-Ruban. I mean, like a ghost is just like, you come into the house, it messes with you. And then maybe if it's a demon, it leaves. But the demon is malevolent. If it's a neutral ghost, normally they're just a recording in a specific location. And Al-Ruban, just with the power of telepathy, they could have a huge effect on the world. And they just want to be left alone. They were raised in a hell dimension for 18 years. Now they're finally out on their own and they don't want to make waves. I find that very odd. I, I think it would actually be a powerful ally for the forces of good to team up with one of these guys just because of the telepathy. And then if you need to get anywhere fast, you just hop on his back. He's like, I'm not super strong, bro. You're 280 pounds. I'm like, mush, mush. All will He's like, ah. You could also see the forces of evil wanting to align with these guys. Because they can blend in perfectly with humans other than the chalky white skin. They could blend in perfectly in a Michael Jackson look-alike contest. And they have telepathy and super speed. So I could see both of these sides... Good and evil wanting to align themselves with them. But they just want to be left alone. They don't have any lust for power. They just have a lust for life. You just want to hang out and try all those Nintendo games they missed growing up. So should we leave them alone or should we try to recruit them? That is the question. If you ever find yourself in eastern Algeria sitting next to a chalky white man who keeps his hands in his pockets, just say, I'm one of the good ones and then <laughs> put a butterfly net over his head and catch him and bring him to Dead Rabbit Command. Maybe when the time comes, they will join the side of good and help us in the eternal war, especially the eternal war... Against this next guy. This next story is super creepy. Hoots Cheech, use your Care Bear stare to shoot out a beam. Hoots Cheech is like, dude, I don't even know what a Care Bear is. As We rub his little fuzzy hair. Use your Care Bear stare to make a carpenter copter appear. It's all cartoony and cloudy and pretty dope looking. Hoots Cheech, we're going to pick you up and put you in the pilot seat. Take us out of eastern Algeria. We are headed out. To South Dakota. <makes> rainbow. Rainbow. Cartoon rainbow trailing behind the Carpenter copter. On Monday's episode, I said that I recently found a Reddit post. And it was it was like an Ask Me Anything or whatever. Ask Reddit or whatever it was called. And it was spooky stories about Native American legends. We've covered two so far this week. And this is the last one. This one I got from a Reddit user named Lakota Girl. So thank you so much for pointing this out. This is a truly terrifying story. I want to say this, actually, before we start the segment. We're going to be talking about suicide during this segment, and I want to let you guys know that if you're struggling with issues of suicide, if you're struggling with issues of thoughts of harm in yourself, don't do it. That is not the way to do it. I want to give you this number, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. It's a lifeline. Use it when you need it. They will help you. It's 1-800- 273 8255 that's 1-800-273-8255, don't, it's, don't, it's not worth it, guys, it's 100% not worth it, 1-800-273-8255, if you're having any thoughts of self-harm or suicide, please call that number, we care about you. Hoots Cheech is flying us out to South Dakota. And as we're going out there, I have to share some very grim statistics with you. Overall, in the United States, suicide is considered the ninth most common form of death. It's a real problem. But in South Dakota, between the ages of 15 and 24, it is the second leading cause of death in the state of South Dakota. They have a massive problem with suicide. When you look at the Native population of South Dakota, the Native Americans who live in South Dakota, it is 2.4 times higher than the Caucasian population of South Dakota. And so you ask why. Why are we seeing this massive difference between the Native Americans who are living there and the other ethnic groups that are living there? And people can point out, and they have pointed out, lack of jobs, high amounts of adult alcoholism. You have kids being raised in really, really disrupted households. Economically depressed area. And those are all real factors. Those are all 100% real factors. But even in the communities of South Dakota, there are whispers that have turned to cries for help about a creature known as Walking Sam. Hootscheech, Landis of the South Dakota Oglala Lakota Reservation. And at this reservation, there are stories of this creature known as Walking Sam. It's a seven-foot-tall, stick-like shadow, wearing a little top hat. His limbs are long and spindly, and he whistles as he walks through the darkness. Very, very typical idea of a shadow person. We've definitely seen shadow people with the top hats, generally called the hat man, There is a Native American legend of a race of shadow people called stick Indians... ...because they are basically stick figures. Shadow people, but are stick figures. But this one, Walking Sam, has a particular lust for blood. And a very cruel way of getting it. His arms are long and thin. But when he raises them out, you see underneath his arms... From his armpit to his wrist are dozens of nooses. And from those nooses hang his trophies. The bodies of suicide victims. You can't hide from walking, Sam. Whether you're in your house, out in town, or walking across the pitch black field, he will find you. Obviously, as a shadow figure, he waits till night. But even if he can't get physically close to you. You'll hear him. And I'm not talking about the whistling. You'll hear his voice tell you. Nobody loves you. Nobody loves you. There's nothing left here for you. There's nothing left here for you. Look at your father. Do you want to end up like him? You know what you need to do. Do you want to end up like him? You know, what you need. you know, what you there's just no hope. So why not just get it over with? This isn't an obscure myth. This isn't some creepypasta that I'm telling you to be super spooky. This is a very well-known story in this region. And it's been around for a long time. And now it does have a high-tech twist. This is... I I, I want I want to be 100% clear on this. This is not a story that Lakota Girl said, and it's just some creepypasta. There are... Town meetings about walking Sam. And there are huge issues with suicide in South Dakota, especially among the youth. Parents and guardians and teachers are finding Facebook videos shared among the youth in South Dakota on how to make nooses, how to perfect killing yourself. There have been cases where adults have caught news that there is a mass suicide planned. And they ran out into the forest and were able to stop a group of kids before they hung themselves. This is recent news. This isn't ancient stuff. But this ancient story of Walking Sam is getting wrapped up in these new stories. Between December 2014 and May 2015, in South Dakota, in these Native American reservation areas, 103 suicide attempts. From December to May, nine of them, unfortunately, were were successful. There's also a report in the area of the police getting wind of a tree out in a field where several nooses were already prepared, just swaying in the breeze. The police saw that as an open invitation. Someone had made those nooses and hung them from the tree and was sharing the location of the tree on Facebook. As an invitation for those who couldn't perfect making the noose themselves. At Pine Ridge, that's a city in South Dakota, is where we had these town meetings. And people were bringing up Walking Sam. Citizens of Pine Ridge were saying they were actually seeing Walking Sam physically moving through the community. The seven-foot-tall shadow man was in that town. You start to get more and more reports of Walking Sam trying to convince the youth of Pine Ridge to join him. One woman asked the police, you guys need to keep an eye out for him, and she believed that by using police scanners, you could pick up his whispers. You could pick up his sales pitch, convincing the children to kill themselves. Whether or not Walking Sam was actually in Pine Ridge, this was declared a state of emergency. And the Oglala Sioux Tribe in the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation, they received a grant of $400,000 to combat suicide in their town. We're talking about an area where 70% of the population drops out of school and 75% of the adults are alcoholics. And in this entire region, six mental health professionals. $400,000 honestly seems like a drop in the bucket. But they're fighting the best that they can to convince these children that suicide is not the answer. But you still have people in the community who believe that, yes, we do need to work on these social issues. And yes, we do need to come together as a group, as a people, and save everyone. But walking Sam is also a factor. And we can't spend our way out of this creatures grasp they're not saying ignore the social problems they're not saying ignore the fact that they need more mental health counselors but you also need to look at the spiritual side but just when you thought the story couldn't get any creepier just when you thought the story could not get any more bizarre than the fact that we have a real life suicide epidemic and it may be connected in part i mean again there are serious social issues going on in this region But part of it may be a spiritual component. Just when you thought you couldn't get it any more bizarre. Lakota Girl, in her Reddit post, added a new wrinkle to this whole story. Hoots, Cheech, let's hop back in that carbonicopter. We are going back in time and we are headed out to Minnesota. We're now back in the year 1862. And we're on the front lines of the Dakota War. Minnesota was recently made a state, and you had the Sioux tribe and all these other Native American groups in Minnesota, and they had set up treaties. And if anyone is familiar with U.S. history, the treaties were not considered really worth anything. The U.S. government goes, oh, that thing we signed? Ah, no, that was an accident. We fell on the table and our pen accidentally made our name, but we're actually not going to honor that. So these treaties weren't being honored. You had more people coming into Minnesota and the tribes that were there already were like, hey, you're supposed to pay us for this land. You're supposed to pay us for this use. They weren't getting their paychecks. So there was an uprising like anyone would do. It only lasted from August to September, however. Most of the warfare was Native Americans versus settlers. But then eventually the federal troops came in and that's what ended the uprising. And they ended up catching and imprisoning a lot of these Native Americans, but the federal troops end up leaving the area, and the local authority goes, "Well, what do we do with all of these captured prisoners? I know we'll put them on trial, but they don't really put them on trial. They put them on military trial. And these were actually there's a there's a lot of controversy about this even back then. These were people having an armed uprising which made them combatants and you can't really charge someone with murder if they're fighting a war. You may not like the fact that they're killing the enemy, but there are there's basically war laws, there's war crimes and fighting and killing other people isn't a war crime. But there's no federal authority here right now. You have the local militias taking these guys and holding military trials. There was 400 trials in one month. Some of the trials were only five minutes long. And by the end of it, 303 of them were sentenced to death. But, you, like I said, there was controversy. So people were appealing this, people in the area. Other politicians were like, well, you can't charge them with murder. Two people were charged with rape. And everyone was like, whatever happens to them, that's fine. They deserve it. But they were like, all these other people, these 303 people, you're going to sentence to death for murder but they're fighting a war they lost and we don't agree with the war like we agree we're doing the right thing but you can't charge them with this it sets a bad precedent so this basically starts getting appealed up and eventually it gets to the highest level of government and they say you're right we can't sentence these guys to death for war wartime killings but there was 39 of them who were, they looked at it and they go, no, these people are going to be killed. These people actually committed crimes. We're not going to let them go. Two of those guys were the rapists and the other 37 are basically being sentenced for murdering during war, which there was still controversy about that. But 303 names were commuted and that does not mean they were sent free. It means that they were going to be imprisoned, but they were not going to be killed. The 39 people, they are going to be executed. The rest of them are sent to prison for three years. One third of them die in prison just due to disease. And then the rest of them, when they get out of prison, because the treaties were broken because of the uprising, the federal government took all the indigenous people in that area and forced them to move. Kicked them all out of Minnesota. So you had people coming out of prison. They had a one in three chance of dying in prison. They get out. Their families, their friends, their tribes are gone. The other 39 people whose sentences weren't commuted were hung. To this day, it is the largest mass execution in U.S. history. Now, when I said the trial transcripts were sent up the federal ladder, they actually were sent all the way up to the desk of Abraham Lincoln. And he said that he read every trial transcript of all 303 people. And the 39 that were not commuted, the 39 that were hung, he personally signed their execution order. He read the trial transcript and says, these men must die. Remember when I said the prisoners were let go after three years and everyone had been forced out of Minnesota? They were sent to South Dakota. And that's where they remain to this day. Pine Ridge, the small community that's having such a problem with suicide and having a problem with walking Sam, is an hour and a half away from Mount Rushmore. A sacred, native location that has the head of Abraham Lincoln carved into it. The same president who ordered the largest mass execution in U.S. history having them hung all in one day, and then having their families pushed out of the state, pushed out of the land they existed on for hundreds, for thousands of years. And now, where their descendants live, a tall man with thin limbs and a top hat walks through their community, nooses dangling from his arms trying to take more souls. Is it possible that walking Sam is not just a random shadow man, but the doomed soul of America's 16th president, Abraham Lincoln? It's a bizarre theory, of course, that America's 16th president is now a shadow man who is convincing young, Native men and women to hang themselves Some might say it's tasteless. But in the world of the weird, anything is possible. Even a man like Abraham Lincoln, in death, could be cursed to walk the darkness. Whether or not walking Sam is Abraham Lincoln, it's an interesting, unnerving twist to the story. It's already so bizarre, and it's just a, a weird element to it but whether or not walking Sam is Abraham Lincoln is kind of moot really I mean if this creature is walking through your neighborhood walking through your state it doesn't matter where he came from at a certain point it's like you're not concerned about the lightning bolt that sets the forest on fire you're not like going what cloud did that come from you have to put out the fire and that's what they're trying to do in this area now they're just trying to put out these fires but here's the thing You do need more mental health counseling. We do need to address dropout rates. We do need to address drug and alcohol rates. We do need to address social issues. But you can't pray your way to become a millionaire. And you can't spend your way out of that hole inside of you. You can't spend a billion dollars and try to fix that depression that exists in your soul. If you want to be a millionaire, you have to use materialistic means. And by... Looking at things like poverty and social injustice, you can use money to start to build a framework to get out of those, but you have to heal the soul of the individuals. And that takes a spiritual set of tools. You have to heal both. Walking Sam may just be a personification of suicide, of loss, of depression, it may be a metaphor. That people have made real through their stories. Or Walking Sam could be a demon. That is feeding on the deaths of young people. You have to fix both the material world and the spiritual world to completely cure a human. You have to do both if we ignore the existence of Walking Sam, if we say he's nothing but a fairy tale, and don't address that at all, the only one who wins is Walking Sam. And he will continue his campaign of mayhem until his arms are full of nooses. But there's always room for one more.